How many of your packages didn't arrive in time for Christmas? In our house, we watched online as one present went from Texas to Missouri, to Iowa, to Tennessee, before we finally got the notification that it wasn't going to make it to us before the holiday. We got our hopes up when it left a facility not only a few hours from here, but then we're confused and ultimately disappointed as we saw it inexplicably move further and farther away from our house. You can get a degree in supply chain management, but it won't help you get your packages on time. For reasons other than presents, I've been looking forward to this Christmas for about 21 months. Last year, we weren't able to gather here inside. The best we could do was encourage people to watch online and then drive down and line up on East Avenue on a cold night, file into this holy space one household at a time, receive communion before driving back home in the dark. It was a wonderful night, and I was so thankful to see all those people I hadn't seen in months But it wasn't the same. So much was missing. So many were missing. As I drove home after last year's midnight mass, I just knew that this year's celebration would be different. Thankfully, it is different. We are here together. We are singing together. We are celebrating together. But not all of us. The timing of this Omicron variant could not have been worse, could it? Its arrival have forced many to stay home, to stay away from church, even to stay away from family and friends. Some of my colleagues, priests in hard-hit communities, have had to cancel in-person worship on Christmas Eve altogether, and I can't help but wonder whether that might happen to us before too long. Many of you have canceled Christmas dinners and trips to see loved ones. A year ago, I imagined something different for us. This Christmas was supposed to be better, and it is better, but it still isn't quite what I imagined. It still isn't perfect. In those days, Luke tells us, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. The emperor could do that whenever he wanted. He could order people all over the world from one place to another in order to be counted. There wasn't anything that Mary and Joseph could do about it. It didn't matter that she was nine months pregnant. It didn't matter that they would have to travel for days down 70 miles of dangerous roads to get to Joseph's ancestral village. It didn't matter whether anyone living there would have room in their house for this young expectant couple when they arrived. So imagine what that couple felt. Imagine what they felt when they heard about that decree and they counted the weeks and realized how far away from home they would be about the time she was supposed to give birth. Nine months pregnant is a terrible time for any woman to be traveling. 
And in many ways, this was a terrible time for the Son of God to be born. And so it was, Luke tells us, that while they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. Literally, the days were fulfilled. They were accomplished. What a great way of letting us know that timing had something to do with it. Mary gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of swaddling cloth and laid him in a manger in a feeding trough because there was no room for them in the inn. That far away from home, they really couldn't do much to get ready for that birth. Mary and Joseph didn't even have a room for themselves. They were probably bedding down with some distant relatives, maybe people they had only seen once or twice in their lives. There were no usual guest accommodations for them in that place, a concept which is translated somewhat carelessly for us as no space for them in the inn. So they slept down on the floor with the chickens and the sheep and the goats while that family they barely knew slept up in a loft. What an inadequate way to welcome the birth of our Savior. Not in the palace or the temple where a king or priest might belong. Not even back home where those loved ones, family and friends, could pitch in and help out with what was needed. But Jesus is born in a one-horse town, barely a speck on the map, in a moment that hardly anyone even noticed. It wasn't supposed to be like that. It was supposed to be different. It was supposed to be better. What sort of divine cosmic timing is that anyway? But God's sense of timing has the power to disrupt our lives and surprise us in the most wonderful ways just when we need it most. Because of the intrusion of that emperor's decree, Jesus was born not in Nazareth, but in the city of David. And yet, when we think of the city of David, usually we think not of Bethlehem, where the shepherd boy grew up, but in Jerusalem, where he ruled and reigned as king. Yet God interrupted human affairs in a way to make sure that the Savior of the world, that the King of kings, would become to us as much a faithful shepherd as a mighty ruler. Think about the ones to whom this good news was shared with first anyway. Instead of announcing the birth of this baby to family and friends, for whom this would certainly be a wonderful local affair, God made sure that the first to hear of it were some anonymous shepherds, some strangers in a nearby field whose adoration of the Christ child was as rough and uncouth as their lifestyle. But God knew that this birth needed more than a local small-town celebration. And yet God knew not to reveal that news to princes and rulers, but to a bunch of meek and lowly shepherds. They become the ones who carry the angel's message out to the world. Knowing what we know now about Jesus, the friend of sinners and outcasts, could this news have been shared any other way? In many ways, that first Christmas couldn't have come at a worse time. 
It came at a moment when earthly powers seemed to be in control of how history unfolded and when that control seemed to run counter to God's perfect plans. Yet we now recognize the ways in which God made sure that this birth took place in a way that could not have been more perfect. This year, our Christmas celebrations have been overshadowed by the terrible timing of supply chain issues and the Omicron variant, by rising inflation and political division and all the other stuff we read about in the news every day. Just when we needed more than ever to wrap our arms around our family and friends and to travel to places where life feels normal again, something largely out of our control has gotten in the way. But isn't that exactly what the miracle of Christmas means to us? Isn't that why the birth of our Savior came about in the first place? Christmas comes not when the world is prepared to receive it, but when the world needs it most. Jesus is born not when it fits into our plans, but when God knows that our sense of timing needs disrupting. And doesn't our timing need disrupting now? We need God to come and take the messiness and imperfections of our world and redeem them. And that's exactly what happens at Christmas. In Jesus, God comes and saves those whose lives aren't perfect, whose plans are falling apart, whose need for love and connection are most profound. In other words, at Christmas, God comes and saves each one of us. On this night, we celebrate a God who refuses to let anything stand in the way of God's love coming to earth. Because of Jesus, there's nothing that can prevent salvation from coming into your life, no matter how messy things have gotten, no matter how long delayed your hopes and dreams might feel at Christmas, God comes to you, and that makes this Christmas exactly what we need. Thanks be to God. Amen.